You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's podcast is part one of two and is entitled Ask, Seek, Knock. You know, one of the things I have discovered uh, as a professor is that review can be a really good thing. Without it, sometimes there's failure. So I thought it might be good for us to review our theme verse in the Shine series. You have that up there on the screens? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. There it is. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes it's really difficult to let my light shine. I find that sometimes it's difficult because, well, sometimes people have a way of blowing it out. You know, sometimes they blow it out because of my beliefs. Sometimes they distance themselves from me because of my convictions. Sometimes it happens because of personal struggles, things that I can't seem to overcome and get victory. And so again, the light goes out. And after a while, it becomes so frustrating that it honestly is just, (laughs) it's easier to give up than it is to go on. For me, one of the questions that has continued to uh, harass has been the question of, I know all of the things I've been told about to do on the Sermon on the Mount, but how do I do them? I mean, there's some pretty tough stuff in there. How How do I accomplish all that Jesus is telling me to accomplish? Not the steps. In fact, we've been given some great steps from Pastor Jim and just last week from Eric. We've been given the steps, but it's the, it's the wherewithal. How do I find the power to do what he's calling me to do? Because honestly, some of the things in the Sermon on the Mount are so polar opposite to how I feel, to how I act, to how I react that I'm just kind of, well, I struggle with that. I don't know about you. And I believe our text today will give us some real insight as to how we can gain victory in this dilemma between what we should be doing and how we really accomplish that. But before we do that, I would like to give you a little academic lesson. Is that okay? One of the things I tell my students in understanding the study of God's Word, is that context is incredibly important to understand. Context is key in interpretation. So whether you're studying a single word or whether you're studying a phrase or a chapter or a book, you need to understand the context. A fish out of water 
is kind of a, doesn't function well. And also, when we pull Scripture out of context, it doesn't function well either. In fact, the, the word context comes from a Latin word that means to weave together. Scripture is woven together. So when we interpret Scripture, we need to understand what's been said previous to a particular passage and what's considered after that passage as well. With that said, let's take a hard look for just a few moments at the text that we're going to look at today, and that's Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 12, and see what it says in relation to the entire Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11, or 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you, then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. It is not a coincidence at all that Jesus goes directly out of cautioning us to not be judgmental, nor anxious, nor pharisaical, nor selfish in our relationships, and into the subject of prayer. Now, why is that? Again, context. Why, why is it that he goes directly out of those things and into prayer? Well, frankly, it's because apart from connecting with the creator God of the universe and him empowering us and enabling us to do and to be what he has called us to. The Sermon on the Mount amounts to nothing more than just a list of do's and don'ts, which it is not. With that said, it becomes all the more necessary for us to understand his teachings on prayer, specifically this section, which is sometimes a misunderstood section. With that, I'd like to consider the first point. Prayer erupts out of passion. Prayer erupts out of passion. Prayer, true, God-centered prayer, erupts out of a passionate neediness. There are three imperatives that are here. Ask, seek, and knock. All of them are, con- are intended for a repeated, continual approach to God. Let's look at those three individually. A, prayer emerges out of desperation. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, that first section, it says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Jesus says that we should ask, that we should come to him and ask, but it's not a simple request. It's much more than that. The word here actually means to beg or to crave or even to demand. It's a desperate cry. In Luke chapter 23, verse 23, when the people came to Pilate and demanded that he crucify Jesus, look at this. It says, but they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he, that is Jesus, should be crucified. That word demanding is the exact same word here for ask in the Greek text. 
It's a demanding. Now, look, there's also another verse in Matthew chapter 27, 58. Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and requested the body of Jesus be handed over to him for proper burial. Look at the text. He, that is Joseph of Arimathea, went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Again, the same word as the word ask here. So you begin to get the idea that what he's talking about here is not simple, hey, can I have this? Or, oh, by the way, can you pass the ketchup? That's not what he's talking about. It is a desperate cry to God. Now, I have kind of a warped sense of humor after having been in youth ministry for 20-odd years. It comes with the territory. They do it to you. I have this one particular video that I'd like to show you a little clip in just a moment. When I think about begging or asking or craving in a desperate sort of way, I think about this one particular video. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, What About Bob? But What About Bob depicts a person named Bob who is multiphobic or afraid of everything. And um, he finally gets uh, referred to a therapist. The therapist's name is Dr. Marvin, Dr. Leo Marvin. And uh, finally, he sits down with Dr. Marvin for the very first time and for their first session. And at the end of the session, Bob has gained some little baby steps in understanding how to gain control of some of these fears of his. At the end of the session, Dr. Marvin says, well, Bob, now I'm going to be out of town for a month. We're going on our monthly, our, excuse me, our monthly. Our, uh, well, that would be great. I'm going out of town for a month on our monthly. That means I'm never here. I'm going out of town for a month on our annual family vacation. And uh, we'll be back at the end of the month and we'll connect there again. Well, Bob is just freaking out because Bob is thinking, you know, I don't know if I can go this long and, and begins to be very fearful and so forth. So at the end, or throughout a manipulative, manipulative um, things that he begins to do, he finds out where Dr. Marvin and his family are, the uh, resort community in which they're staying. And so he takes a bus ride and gets off the bus, and here's the clip. Get in the car. Come on, hurry. Hurry, hurry. Dr. Marvin! Oh, I really appreciate this. Everyone in the car, come on. Dr. Marvin. <laughs> Is this a bad time? Is that okay? Oh, the fam. you were dead. Oh, no, I told you. Well, I fibbed a little bit, but don't be mad. Bob, your behavior is completely inappropriate. You're angry. No, no, I don't get angry. Well, you're upset. <laughs> I don't get upset. Well, then let's have a little talk. Bob, 
I do not see patients on vacation, ever. How many ways can I make that clear? Now, what I'd like you to do is to get on this bus and go back to New York. I can't. I'm totally paralyzed. I'm all locked up. You got yourself here. Barely. Well, getting back will be therapeutic. But can't we just have a little talk? Bob, you are testing my patience. Come on, I've come so far. Bob. I'm baby-stepping. I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm baby-stepping. I'm not a slacker. Listen to me. Check Listen. it out. Look at I'm in really bad shape. Come on, please. Bob. Please. Bob. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I Bob. need, Bob. I need, I need. Bob. Give me, give okay. me. Okay. Please. All right, all right, please. all right. All right, it's 2 o'clock. Go to the bus station, buy yourself a ticket home, and then wait for me in that coffee shop. You'll meet me? I'll call you. Now, while it's not necessary to go quite to that extent with God, it does illustrate a point, and that is this. Is that when we are desperate before God, we plead with Him because of our neediness. Our neediness drives us to God. And this word, ask, is about coming out of a neediness before God. The second thing under number one is B, it requires personal commitment. Prayer requires personal commitment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, the second section says, seek and you will find. This is an active, not passive kind of seeking. The word means to endeavor, to uh, inquire, to seek after. Again, it's active. Math, or excuse me, Luke chapter 15, verse 8 says this. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? That phrase there, seek diligently, again, gives the same idea. It's using the same Greek text to help us understand what it means to seek. It's getting up and doing something about it. It's not passive prayer, it's active prayer. Again, another verse, Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of God is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. The word there, in search of, again, is, is the whole idea of doing something actively. Are we willing to diligently seek God until He answers? Are you desperate enough before God to go beyond simply asking to seeking Him for an answer? If you're praying for a friend or you're praying for a relative, are you willing to be involved in the answer of that prayer? Are you willing to do something? I remember back in the day when um, I was growing up, this will date me, of course the gray hair does that anyway, but <sighs> I remember when there were no color televisions or there were very few. And we only had this small black and white television, and you had three channels, and you had the little rabbit ears and all that. I remember that specifically, and I remember also when color televisions became the rage, and the only thing that was in color was Bonanza. And every Sunday night, we had to watch Bonanza at a friend's house because we didn't have a color television. 
Well, my brother thought that color televisions were just the most incredible thing ever known to man. And so he constantly begged my father for a color television. He even got into a kind of a, a little song about it. It was kind of strange, but um, he's kind of strange. So, um, No, seriously, he began to ask him over and over and over again. And so finally my father said, okay, all right, okay, here's what I'll do. My brother had like a, a paper route or something. Was, he was like in early teens. And he said, I'll tell you what. If we buy one, we're going to have to buy one on credit like for a year because I, we just didn't have the money. We were not able to do that. And he said, but you will have to pay the first three months installment. <laughs> yes, you. You're the one who wants it. The rest of the family really doesn't care. So if you want it, then you need to make a personal investment in it. Now, some may think, well, that was kind of cruel. I honestly kind of think it was rather wise. Because if he wanted it, then he needed to make an investment in it. Sometimes prayer demands personal investment. That's the whole idea that's communicated in seeking God. The third point under number one is C. It insists on persistence. It insists on persistence. Matthew chapter 7, the latter part of 7, says, Knock, and the door will be open to you. This is not a simple, it's a continual, nonstop rapping upon the door. In, in uh, Acts, there's a story of when Peter was in prison, and an angel came and delivered Peter from prison. And after that, the angel disappeared, and Peter went to Mark's mother's home, who also happened to have the name of Mary. And uh, he began knocking on the door. And Rhoda, who was a servant girl, came and looked out apparently what was like a peephole of the, that part of the time because it says she looked out the door, obviously not opening the door. She looked out the door and became so excited that she ran away, never opening the door, ran away and ran back to the house and told everyone that was there that Peter was at the door. With that, we'll pick up on Acts chapter 12, verse 16. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they, were, they saw him, and they were amazed. The whole idea here is continual not giving up knocking. He didn't stop knocking simply because Rhoda wouldn't answer the door. He just continued knocking. That same word is here of continual knocking on the door, asking Seeking, requesting, being persistent in our petitioning of God. Before moving to Chicago, which, by the way, was just last year. That was a mishap. I've not been here for several years. So those of you looking at me and thinking, I've never seen him before in my life. <laughs> just been here a year. We moved here about a year ago. We moved to Chicago. We'd been through a really difficult time. I'd been an associate pastor on staff at a church as youth pastor, and... Um, some things came about that we realized that were, well, honestly, there were just some unethical things that were taking place. I looked at those, I, I uh, tried to bring some resolution to that, confronted the issues. There was no repentance. So Kay and I, Kay, my wife, we both decided we can't be a part of this. We're endorsing this. So we quit and walked away. As a result of that, 
we had some challenges before us, some financial challenges because I didn't have a job. So I found a job. I found a, a job of just uh, actually digging ditches. It was great for my abs, but uh, that was about it. It paid a little bit, but it didn't pay a lot, but it, it helped with groceries and things like that. Still, nonetheless, it was a challenging situation. Every day, every day, we desperately sought for God to lead us and to provide for us and to protect us. It wasn't a situation where we had to put a post-it note on the fridge to remind ourselves to pray. Ever been there? A lot of us have. We were persistent every day to pray, asking God for his provision. Every day, sending out resumes everywhere possible, asking for his provision, never stopping until he answered. We knocked all day, every day. We were persistent. Or, in the words of Bob, I need, I need, I need. Right? That's what this whole section is about. It's about desperate praying. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.